investors, I know we get caught up in short-term noise, but think about your long-term plan. Has the Fed lost its bearings? In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Chris McKaney, and your host, Erica Toth, reflect on Fed Chairman Powell's colorful speech at Jackson Hole. They also discuss equities as an inflation hedge and the BRICS historic expansion, as well as factor ETFs. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Hi, and welcome back to the Views from the Desk weekly podcast, where the portfolio managers at BMO ETF share their insights on current markets. My name is Erica Toth, and I'll be your host for today. And I'm joined by my colleagues, Chris Heeks and Chris McKaney. Both of them are portfolio managers at BMO ETFs, and we also refer to them as the Chris's. Thanks, guys, for being here with us today. We'll kick this one off with Chris McKaney. One of the big developments in the market, of course, is the Fed meeting in Jackson Hole last week. What were some of the key takeaways from Powell, and what does this say about the state of the economy? Hard landing, soft landing, or no landing expected for this year? Chris? Sure. Thanks, Erica. And yeah, certainly a lot of attention being paid to what Jerome Powell was going to say in his speech last week at the Jackson Hole Symposium. We've had a few days now for the market to digest that uh, speech, and so we can take a look at the markets to see how um, that has been digested uh, overall. You know, really heading into this speech, I think the markets were really positioning for a pretty hawkish speech from Jerome Powell in terms of interest rates and, and continued upward movement. If you look at just during the month of August, again, before that speech, we saw interest rates move up along the curve anywhere around 10 to 20 basis points or so. Um, So a decent move up in yields heading into that speech. And then since that uh, speech was delivered, we've seen yields come back down a little bit, maybe around 10 basis points or so. So not quite where they were before, still a little bit higher, but some of that has been given back. Also, if we look at the equity markets, we also saw, you know, essentially the opposite effect there. We saw equities selling off and risk assets in general selling off during the month of August, heading into that speech, and since then have uh, somewhat rebounded. Again, not back to the levels where they were, but somewhat rebounding um, after that speech. If we do take a look at what Jerome Powell actually did say, you know, he really led off with the message that um, there are signs that inflation has moderated and is coming down, which is good, but that it's still too high. Um, And so I think this really gave confidence to the market that this higher for longer is expected to continue. But in terms of further interest rate increases, the market did not really get that message at all. So I think the market is somewhat comfortable that maybe we'll see another uh, maybe quarter point interest rate hike uh, in the near future uh, later in 2023, but really not too much more beyond that. And so it's really the longer term interest rates that have been moving more so than the shorter term interest rates. So there is some consensus that we're, if not at the end of uh, any interest rate hikes, we're very close to the end of that and that there should be very little more to come. Now, of course, that can change if um, economic data comes in continuing to be very strong, which it has been overall. That might lead the Fed to continue raising uh, rates. You know, they did say that 
they would raise interest rates if needed. Uh, so it signals a sort of data dependency on you know further interest rate increases. The other thing uh, Jerome Powell actually said was something along the lines of navigating by the stars under cloudy skies. So this really indicating that they're in uncharted territory here and really even the Fed is saying they don't know what's going to happen going forward and that they're potentially going to make a policy mistake going forward because it's really hard to determine where exactly the economy is going. If we take a look at the next week or so of of economic data that's coming out, we're going to see PCE uh, for July being released. And so that's really what the Fed looks at. One of their preferred measures of inflation is PCE. So that will be coming out um, in the coming week or so, as well as data around payrolls, unemployment um, and and wage levels. And so that gives an indication, particularly on the wage levels, uh, of how inflation uh, is expected to continue. And of course, the Federal Reserve has also made reference to the labor market needing to create a bit more slack in that labor market for inflation to ultimately come down to the target. And then lastly, we're going to get another CPI reading for August again in the next week or so. So some of these data points will maybe give some further clues as to the future path uh, of interest rates and if we will see much more volatility in that space. But really, that speech coming out of Jackson Hole really just gave investors overall confidence that, you know, not too much has really changed in terms of their views. They're not remaining super hawkish. And if you take a look at um, the futures curve for interest rates, uh, short-term interest rates, they haven't really changed, you know, pre and post Jackson Hole. And so again, it's the the shorter-term interest rates. There's not much movement there. It's really been in the longer end. And, you know, we're really close to where we started the month of August at. And so I think investors really should just take comfort in that. And really the message from that is stick to your asset allocation, uh, stick to whatever strategy you've built for the long term. And, you know, that's really going to weather the storm. And we don't see or don't expect too much continued volatility, again, unless uh, we see a a lot of huge surprises coming out of uh, future economic data. Thanks for that, Chris. So just to confirm, PCE, that stands for personal consumption expenditures, correct? That's right. Okay, great. Just for our listeners, I wanted to, uh, to just confirm that. Amid high interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 6%. The BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. And the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZWU, ZWB, and ZWC. So this next one is for you, Chris Heeks, with money sitting on the sidelines uh, now getting 5 to 5.5% in, in fixed income and on short-term cash-like instruments. What would be some of the signs that it's time to get back into the equity market? Chris? Yeah, thanks, Erica. And hopefully investors are, as Chris McCainy says, continuing to stick to their asset allocation plan, which means they still have uh, money exposed to equities. You know, there's that famous phrase, cash is king. And there's no doubt there's a, a safety element to cash. Cash and fixed income in general is providing yields, which is a benefit. But I think when you look at, you know, long-term investing and investing 
with longer time horizons and goals and objectives in mind. We don't want to be overly dependent on cash because um, in terms of providing that long-term growth, you know, we do see much better long-term growth out of, out of equities, um, out of bonds as well, longer-term bonds that supplement the returns of cash. So do like having some cash in your portfolio. And we have, we have a few tools at BMO that can provide that cash or cash-like exposure. And it's very attractive. I think, you know, with, with the uh, element of uncertainty as we navigate under the stars, as Powell said, there may be some opportunities and being liquid, which is one of the great benefits of ETFs, keeping some cash liquidity might be able to take advantage of some opportunities. But, you know, I really like going back to the long-term outlook. And I think, you know, for most investors, better suited to just taking that long-term outlook, finding that portfolio balance between equities, bonds, potentially alternatives, you know, that makes sense in the context of a long-term plan. And from that point of view, you know, I think there's somewhat little argument you want to be invested in equities for the long term because they have that ability to provide greater real returns uh, than cash over time. And, you know, just to put a word in for bonds, you know, you're, what you're seeing now is, yes, short-term bonds, one year and under, are yielding in excess of five. Longer-term bonds don't necessarily yield quite as much. But remember, when you have equities in your portfolio, it's also nice to have some longer-term bonds duration exposure in in the portfolio, as that can help offset some of the risks associated with equities. Another word on equities, you know, if you go back to, uh, you know, Erica, our CFA courses, or, you know, if you studied finance, you know that there's equities have associated with them an equity risk premium, and that's what provides the real return over time. And generally, that return is built on top of the risk-free rate. So, I'm not—I don't want to get too too classroomy here, but uh, you know, the expected return on equities under the capital asset pricing model is the risk-free rate plus the equity risk premium. And of course, the current rate environment is built into the risk-free rate right now. Lastly, equities provide a nice hedge against inflation. Um, now, it doesn't mean if inflation goes up, equities go up because there's many things that impact the price of equities. And certainly higher inflation has led to volatility and market uncertainty, which, which can be a problem as we navigate. Overall, when you look at inflation, generally companies, as we know, will pass out on inflation onto their customers. So inflation gets passed on, revenues go up, costs will go up. And depending on the company, some are, as we know, better positioned to deal with inflation than others. But in general, costs will go up. And as a result, earnings will go up. So equities provide that long-term hedge against inflation, and that's something that perhaps can give some investors some comfort as well. Lastly, I just want to say in terms of getting into equities from a long-term approach is missing the best days in the market. And we've run some numbers at BMO. And you know, if you look at the TSX, uh, the past 22 years, so from 2000 to 2022, the total return over that time, you know, if you just stayed invested the whole time, would have been 318%. If you miss the five best days, only five days in 22 years in the market, because of the power of compounding and missing those big days and the and the compounding effect that that has, that return of 318% goes down to 170. If you miss the 10 best days in the market, that return goes down to 100% approximately from 318. So again, you know, uh, equity investors are often paid to take on uncertainty, and that's where a lot of that premium comes in paid to take a risk. And, uh, and you want to be there when those good days happen. And, and, you, and we 
let's face it, we don't always know when those days are going to be, but we generally expect they're going to occur at some point. So by staying invested, you can get exposure to those best days. Um, you know, I would think with the volatility we've gone through, we may still see some volatility, but you know, with equities, they have that 100 plus year track record of delivering returns. And so there's certainly, we would expect some good days ahead. And most investors who need that equity exposure for growth, you want to be there to enjoy those good days as well. Just in terms of an idea, while we're on the theme of uh, long-term uh, investing, our asset allocation ETFs really come to mind. And we've got a pretty comprehensive suite, but I'll just kind of name a couple investors could consider. Very low cost, uh, the BMO balanced ETF, approximately 60% equities, 40% fixed income. ZBAL is the ticker, Z-B-A-L, where there's a BMO growth ETF, 80-20, 80% equities, 20% fixed income. Ticker is Z grow, Z-G-R-O. So, uh, you know, investors, I know we get caught up in short-term noise, but think about your long-term plan and certainly being in equities is, um, you know, something to consider and, and maintain that exposure if it makes sense for you. Thanks, Chris, for that. Great points uh, in terms of long-term asset allocation and the importance of sticking to your long-term investment plan. Love that research about missing the best days in the market. Those figures are definitely sobering um, and a great reminder that those best days in the market can happen even in the middle of, the, of a bear market and you can't ever predict when. So excellent points there. Um, so going back to you, Chris McKinney, there are more talks about BRICS nations moving away from U.S. dollars as a trade currency. What kind of impact could this have on global trade and how could it impact our investment portfolios? Thanks, Erica. Yeah. And for those that aren't aware, the BRICS nations, BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. This is a group of nations, these so-called so emerging market nations that have worked together for a number of years uh, on the global stage. Um, the reason this is uh, making some, some more news right now is that those nations have invited uh, a few others to join this group, including Saudi Arabia, Iran, UAE and Egypt in the Middle East, as well as Ethiopia and uh, Argentina also being invited to join this group. And so you have these Middle Eastern nations joining this uh, group of uh, growing nations, you know, China, India, uh, two of the largest economies in the world, uh, really. And so these developing nations looking to continue working together and expanding uh, the group of countries that they do work with. You know, should all these countries join this BRICS group, um, that would mean five of the top 10 oil producing nations would be a part of this group. And so particularly for energy policy, you could see a lot of clout coming out of this group in the future if they do continue to work together. At the same time, you have two of the biggest uh, oil consumers in China and India also being part of that. And so just for global energy pricing and things like that, you could see this group taking on um, you know, more clout uh, in the global economy. We've talked in the past about this de-dollarization effect and China and other countries wanting to move away to some degree from the U.S. dollar in terms of the global reserve currency. Um, you know, I think this step really just adds to the possibility of that happening. You know, in particular, you know, we also, you know, we've talked about, again, China and, and Russia, of course, wanting to move away from trading in the U.S. dollar, particularly when it comes to energy. Of these new nations, Iran has also been very vocal about moving away from U.S. dollars for global trade. And so this really just increases the possibility of that happening. Now, this is really something that will take a, a long time to develop. It's not something that would happen overnight. 
And so it's really for investors um, wanting to look at this and seeing how to position their portfolios. It's really over a five, 10, even 20 year view um, that you would want to uh, um, you know, act on this. But really what it does mean or what it potentially could mean is that the US dollar does become a little less uh, of a global reserve currency and you know, potentially over the long run could lose a little bit of its value. Um, so what does that mean really for Canadian investors? Again, if you're of this belief that the US dollar will lose this sort of reserve global reserve currency status, um, that maybe you want to hedge that currency exposure in whatever investments uh, you're making now. And again, this is not really a short-term sort of tactical play here. This is something that would play out over uh, any number of years or even decades, as I mentioned. One aspect there on the currency side, also just in terms of equity investment, um, you know, this could mean emerging markets if they are able to work together and realize some synergies, uh, become more of a global player in terms of the overall equity market allocation. You know, if you take a look at the MSCI All Country World Index, emerging markets is right around 10% of that over the last decade or so. It's probably fluctuated between 8 and 12% of that overall index. And so you could see this becoming a, a greater portion of that global um, equity uh, opportunity set, so to speak. And so looking at things like the BMO MSCI Emerging Markets Index ETF, ticker ZEM, you know, again, for investors that want to play this trend over multiple years or decades, um, you know, maybe make that a larger allocation of your portfolio if you want to overweight that a little bit. And again, you know, in the global market, it's really only about 10% of equities. A 15% allocation would be a significant overweight to that just in terms of, you know, how you want to size that sort of trade, that would be, I would think, a, a very significant overweight. So investors that want to play this trend or, or think this is a trend that will play out over time, you know, you could look at it from the currency point of view, and that's across all your investments, um, or you could look at it from an allocation point of view of what regions to allocate your, your equity investment to. And so that would be the emerging markets in particular you would want to overweight. Thanks for your thoughts there, Chris. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's Money Market and Ultra Short-Term Bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Back to you, Chris Heeks. Let's chat a little bit about core U.S. equity exposures, more from a factor lens. Can you talk to us about what we've seen so far year to date in terms of flows for our U.S. factor ETFs? And what would you recommend to investors looking to tilt their portfolio more defensively as we move into the fall? Let's start with performance just for a quick second and and, and just acknowledge, you know, obviously the strength that tech uh, and growth in general has been uh, majorly in favor in the U.S. Uh, so a big reversion from 2022. If you look at the NASDAQ 100, uh, it's up over 40%, it's up 41%. So our, our ZNQ, the BMO NASDAQ 100 equity index ETF, giving exposure to growth has been popular uh, from a factor lens quality. And our quality tends to get into tech and growth names, tends to be overweight those relative to, say, the S&P 500 um, has also been a strong performer and, and outpacing from a flow side, pretty mixed across the board. And I think that's a good thing because, 
you don't always want to chase performance as an investor, right? So chasing performance, just buying whatever's high flying, you know, that might not always lead out to the best outcomes and, you know, very sensitive to your timing. So on the flow side, we've actually seen, uh, despite uh, defensive factors kind of underperforming this year, as, as we say, tech and growth has been in favor, uh, defense and income has has been a bit underperformed. We've seen some good flows to those strategies as well. And, you know, I think the importance of being balanced as an investor is very important. Chris talked about emerging markets, and that can provide a certain regional balance in portfolios. But even within regions, like we're talking about the U.S. right now, having balance between factors can be a very um, good and robust way to, to build up uh, to build up an exposure. And so mixing, say, a more growthy factor like a NASDAQ with a lower risk factor could be a very good way to build a portfolio. So, you know, two ETFs that we have seen uh, some good flows on this year and, you know, over the last several years, really. But um First one is our BMO US High Dividend Covered Call ETF, our ZWH. And that is a dividend-focused ETF that also employs that cover call overlay for additional income. Uh, The focus with this one is really on blue-chip dividend payers that are not cutting their dividends. Just think of, you know, those household names like an Apple, Microsoft, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, very blue-chip companies that, again, uh, lean more to the defensive side overall. And then that cover-call approach, I think, has appealed to investors because we've seen some sideways markets. And in a, in a sideways market, you know, if you can increase your income through a cover-call overlay, you know, that can have an attraction. So the yield on that one is is north of six percent, and 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 that has a that has an attraction. And another one, just to mention, you know, our kind of signature most defensive exposure would be our ZLU, which is our BMO low volatility U.S. equity ETF. From a factor lens, that's our most defensive. One of the the things when you talk about pairs and pairing up factors, but if you look at that ZLU, pair it with the Nasdaq, the ZNQ really can provide a nice balanced portfolio. And, you know, when one zigs, the other zags, and that's what you want out of diversification. And then that's what makes it work. And and that strategy has been, you know, quite successful when you look at it measured against the S&P 500 over a longer period of time. So always lots going on in the hood, but I think it's, it's nice to see from the flow side that they're coming in a little more balanced, not just chasing the growth, which has certainly had a great run this year, but being balanced, being prepared for uh, potential weakness in the market. Um, if there's an economic slowdown, depending on this landing scenario, we started off the call. Uh, it's good to see that there's some flows coming in across the board and many investors are balancing out their portfolio. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Chris, for both of your insights on this week's market events. That's a wrap for today's session. And I'd like to thank the listeners for joining us. Don't forget to tune in again next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you to Erica Toth, Chris Heeks, and Chris McKaney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Growth ETF, ticker ZGRO or ZGROW, which is designed for investors looking for moderate income and potential for long-term growth. Our experts also discuss defensive strategies to balance your portfolio. The BMO Low Volatility U.S. Equity ETF, ticker ZLU, provides exposure to a low beta-weighted portfolio of U.S. stocks. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, 
or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.